we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 77, if you'd like to turn there. And uh, we're going to try to cover a couple of chapters. Uh, first one's a, a short one, but it's packed with a lot of a lot of helpful stuff. It's basically, if you ever find yourself going through hard times and you feel like maybe down and depressed, or maybe even going through a trial where you want to give up, what do you do? Uh, Psalm 77 has some answers for us. Uh, it's when I first uh, became a Christian. One of the first things that I had the opportunity to do was to do a Bible study at a place where uh, people had nervous breakdowns. And, you know, there's a, in life, you know, you can be uh, so overwhelmed. You can be stressed with uh, uh, work, family. I mean, just uh, the overwhelming emotional uh, burdens that we can carry physically, mentally, spiritually. And it can all add up. And what ends up happening is your body has a mechanism that just kind of automatically breaks down and just kind of checks out and this can happen to anyone and so when we were doing that uh, study there we're talking you know professionals successful lawyers I mean you know people that you think uh, would never you know fall I mean they end up there and so you know we see that in life for us as Christians though uh, we have the answers and so if you ever find yourself, uh, and I've been there before where I couldn't sleep or, you know, you, you, you just can't function almost. You don't know what to say uh, when you're around people. Uh, if you ever find yourself there, Psalm 77 is a, is a great psalm. And then Psalm 78 is basically uh, a psalm where this guy is trying to encourage the nation to make sure that they get right with the Lord, that they learn their lessons, and uh, it's really a, a cool psalm, 71 verses, so we'll see how that works out, man. We might be here till 10 o'clock tonight, but um, about uh, the history of Israel, and so one of the things you'll find about us as Christians is that we blow it sometimes, huh? We blow it sometimes, but God's gracious, and uh, the thing that you, you don't want to do, though, is to take advantage of that grace. If you've been a Christian, you should be growing. You really should be. Remember Hebrews chapter 5? He says, by this time you guys should be teachers. So you don't want to keep doing the same thing. That's what the children of Israel were doing. They were taking advantage of God's grace. And, uh, and they were just kind of up and down all the time, all the time. And God said, enough. No, really, uh, it's kind of cool. There's a proverb. It says, the path of the just is like the shining sun that gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We should be growing as Christians. And so um, we're going to learn from the children of Israel uh, tonight. And so Psalm 77, it's kind of broken up into three sections. The first section in verses 1 through 6 is crying. The second section, verses 7 through 9, is questioning and then the third section in verses 10 through 20 is, is believing. And so Psalm 77 in verse 1, it says, To the chief musician, to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. And so it's uh, to the chief musician, meaning it's an important psalm. And uh, it's uh, to the leader uh, of the worship team. And so it's significant, right? And that's why we have it in the Bible, obviously. And notice what he says here. He says, I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. 
In the day of my trouble, I, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretching out in the night with, with ceasing. My, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Salah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search. And so this section right here is the psalmist just basically crying out to God uh, with his voice. And, and in the end, we're going to see that God does answer. You know, God does do an amazing work. Uh, and so, you know, we read something earlier. If you remember Psalm chapter 3, verse 4, same thing. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. God, help me. God, help me. I can't do this on my own. And, and when that cry comes from the heart, God heals. It, it heals. Every once in a while, man, you've got to raise the volume. Any of you here like to listen to your music loud? It's cool, huh? When, you know, I, I, and, and in one sense, that's what we have to do. You know, um, no doubt the prayer is intense because his trials are intense. He's not playing, he's praying, he's not just trying, he's crying, he's groaning, the tears are flowing. I mean, I always tell people when they come up here and we're praying together, you know, those are liquid prayers when those tears are falling and they evaporate in Revelation chapter 8 and they become like incense before the throne of God. You know, so it's a, it's a very tough time that this individual is going through but, but I want you to know that, that, that even though we're weak, we have nothing. When we pray, it's impotence calling on omnipotence. Let me ask you something. Is there anything too hard for God? No, nothing. But you have to cry out. You, you can't just play. You've got to pray. There has to be this you know, volume that's raised up to God. And we've seen that over and over again. As we, uh, as we've been reading through the Psalms, you know, and and so when we go through tough times, uh, God calls us to pray. Verse two, it, it mentions the day of trouble. You know, I sought the Lord, and, and so some days are harder than other days. Some seasons of life are more difficult than others. You know, this this afternoon, I, I got, I was on the phone with a, a wife whose husband just recently died. They were married for seven years, and she asked if I would uh, do the funeral on Saturday. And so, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a trouble. That's a, that's a hard place to be. You know, the one that you love, the one that you're committed to, the one that you're vowed to is, is now dead. And it wasn't an easy thing. You know, the whole process of what happened is just a tragedy. And so, you know, um, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you find out something happens to your kid. The other day we get a phone call, you know, from a, 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 a mom finds out, or I guess you could say her son struggling with homosexuality. I mean, imagine you having to go through that as a parent. See, these are tough times. I mean, some of you here, you're in the middle of that. And then when we're there, you know, what we find is that we need to come to God. We need to cry to God 
and as we pray, God does a work. There's a, a Spanish proverb that says, if the sky falls, just hold up your hands. Because when you hold up your hands, you're like, I surrender. When you hold up your hands, you're like, Lord, give me what only you can give me because that's, that's the only way that I can make my way out of this hole. And so, you know, we have to, we have to pray. You know, this whole concept of this time, the day of trouble, it's like when the children of Israel were completely surrounded. And in the Bible, two times, in 2 Kings 19.3, Isaiah 37.3, imagine you, uh, uh, Jerusalem, surrounded by 185,000 soldiers. So two times in the Bible, it says this is the day of trouble. It was identified as that. And so in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, it says make sure you're wearing your armor because you're going to engage in what's called the evil day. And you have to be ready for that day. And so God, you know, when we go through the, the, the troublesome times, here's something that's cool. He promises to deliver us in that day if we pray. Can you imagine that? You have a guaranteed victory. Some of you here, you're, you're maybe you're Rams fans and you're excited about Sunday, you know. And, and imagine if they said you have a guaranteed victory if you pray. Imagine that. I'm not saying everything always goes your way, but I'm talking about you, number one, getting saved. And then you, you number two, getting into the will of God because that's all that matters. All you have to do is pray. All you have to do is say, God, help in the day of trouble, and he will. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, God says, and you shall glorify me. And one of my favorite passages is Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. I love that verse for two reasons. Number one, the promise. And number two, because it's printed on the wrapping of the double-double uh, hamburgers or cheeseburgers at In-N-Out. Um, I, I think we have a picture of it. And, and I think that's why double-doubles are amazing. I'm serious because, you know, now that I'm older, I don't eat them uh, as much. But there's no comparison between a regular cheeseburger and a double-double. And now I'm realizing that's why, huh, Lord, because of that promise that's in that wrapper right there, you know? I mean, God just says, listen, if you're in trouble, all you have to do is pray. And you can do that right here. You can do that right now in your heart. You can say, Lord, help me. And he'll hear. You know, as we seek him, not just the gift, but the giver, what we find is that God will give us grace. You know, we see that. Look at Psalm 77 and verse 2. In the day of trouble, I sought the Lord. See, that's who we're looking for. Not just the gift, but the giver. Not just the answer for myself, but himself. That's who we're looking for. And what we find in Psalm 59 and verse 16, it says that this should bring us to sing and to worship. And so in verse 3, right there, he talks about, you know, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. And, uh, and, and what we find is that there he was on that night 
thinking of God, overwhelmed in longing for his help. He says there in verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. And what that means is he can't sleep. He says, I, I, I'm so troubled in verse 4 that I cannot speak. And I, again, I don't know if you've ever been there, man, but I have. Can't sleep, can't even talk. You know, you just feel like you're out of it and you're not going to make it through. And so uh, we start thinking. I think sometimes we even start overthinking things. That's what you read in verses 5 through 6. And, you know, here he looks back to the good old days, more than likely his own good old days, as well as the, even the good old days of Israel. Um, notice right there in verse 5, he uses the word ancient. And so he's like, Lord, what about the days in the Bible when they did all those great works? And he's kind of looking back, remembering the songs in the night, meditating in his heart. He's just searching. He's struggling. And then next, after the crying, comes the questioning. Look at verse 7. He says, Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? I mean, what we find right here is a psalmist in the Bible is questioning God. Six series of questions. And what we find is that, you know, a lot of times I think that if we're honest, you know, we, we do question God that the thing that though we have to be open to is just the, the answers. And sometimes he doesn't always explain things to us. But whenever we come across something we don't understand, we fall back on what we do understand. You know, Warren Wiersbe said, we don't live on explanations. We live on promises. Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together, you know, for good. But does that mean that, that you can't question God? Does that mean that you can't go to your prayer closet and lift up your hands and say, Lord, I don't get it. You know, why did, you know, my child have to go through that or, or pass away? You know, the other day we heard a study by Pastor Dale and his son, uh, just a, a really amazing son, you know, was killed in a car accident. Uh, as He was, a, a, I think, a sheriff or he worked for the police department. And, you know, it's been said that uh, a parent should never have to bury their child. And here's a guy that is serving the Lord, has been committed to God all his life, and his son loves the Lord, a great family man. You know, and does that, and so Pastor Dale will, will get on his knees and he'll say, Lord, why? You know, we have those questions, you know, but... But in looking at these questions, uh, we have to answer them biblically. You know, sometimes we feel cast off and forsaken, but the truth is we, we never are because he will always be our father. We will find favor because we're part of the family, right? Right here, you know, he asks right here, has his mercy ceased? Of course not. God's rich in mercy as the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy towards those who fear him. So he will forgive you no matter what we've done you come to him and he'll show you mercy 
he'll show you grace. He, he's wondering about this right here, you know? I mean, when he looks at uh, verse 9, has God for, forgotten to be gracious? It's interesting, even what he says right here um, in, in verse, um, will, will the Lord cast off forever and will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Verse 8, has his promise failed forevermore? I mean, sometimes we, we doubt God. We, we doubt his promises. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, and I'm coming again. You know, Peter writes about how that in the last days, mockers will come, scoffers will come, and they'll say, yeah, right. Jesus is coming. They've been saying that since the beginning, right? And, and Peter addresses that, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, says, knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And the enemy comes in, and he begins to plant those seeds of doubt, right? But then... In verse 8 of the same chapter, Second Peter 3, it says, Beloved, don't forget this one thing that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so it's interesting, when you read Second Peter chapter 3, because before he even gets to verse 8, he says, you know, the Lord can come. All he has to do is speak the word. Remember, everything was made just by his word. And so when Jesus comes, I mean, it's going to be, the Bible says it's going to be quick. Right? And so it's just a word. But then as far as, you know, the, the promise, you have to wait for his time. And that's where it can be difficult. He says, with the Lord, it's one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So in God's calendar, how long has it been since Jesus was here? Two days. <laughs> so the Lord's got a plan. He says, listen, in the promise, the reason why I'm delaying things is because more people are going to get saved. You know, and so for us, it's okay to ask questions, right? When the tragedies happen, uh, we have that tendency, you know, talking to, to Carlos, it's interesting. Here's a man whose his daughter passed from cancer, and, and, you know, he has it in his heart. And he, and he told me, when I get to heaven, all my questions will be answered. It's like that's the first thing he kind of wants to kind of ask the Lord. And, and, you know, God will give the answers then. We still have them now, though, right? And we ask. I mean, I remember uh, back in 2008, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, five-year-old daughter, Maria, died. Some of you might remember that story. She was actually run over by her teenage brother. And that took place on the day that their uh, other son, Caleb, was supposed to be graduating from high school and where their, when their daughter, Emily, had announced her engagement. So they were, you know, celebrating that. And next thing you know, their five-year-old 
And you guys know how beautiful five-year-olds are, right? She got run over. Not just run over, but run over by your son. So imagine the heartache that, that he was experiencing again, another man who loves the Lord so much. And so, and he went on to, to write a, a song, and I think we even have a picture of him. Just a, he has three, um, three children, and then he has three adopted children from uh, China. And just so much love, so much love uh, from this family. And this is a song he wrote. It's called Questions. And if you don't, uh, if you have, you know, the ability to listen to this song, I would encourage you. It's an awesome song. He wrote a whole CD about how he was struggling through this whole thing. And here's a guy who really loves the Lord, mature Christian. I mean, it's not easy. Here's a psalmist. Think about it. Here's a guy writing a chapter in the Bible. It's not easy. If, you, if you're out there and you think, oh, I don't get it, it's not easy. Listen, it happens. E.C.H. Spurgeon, one of the greatest Christians of all time, struggled with depression. So it happens, right? We have these questions. And I, it, it's not as good when you just read it, so I'm going to sing it to you. <laughs> I wish I could, man. But this is what he says. He says, who are you, God? Because you are turning out to be so much different than I imagined. And where are you, God? Because I'm finding life to be so much harder than I had planned. You know I'm afraid to ask these questions, but you know that they're there. And if you know my heart the way I believe you do, then you know that I believe in you. But still, I have these questions. Like, how could you, God? How could you be so good and strong and make a world that can be so painful? And, and where were you, God? I know you had to be right there. I know you never turn your head. He says, you know, I'm, I'm confused by all this mystery, and you know I get afraid, but if you know my heart as completely as I trust you do, then you know that I am trusting you. And then he goes on to say this. It's interesting, right? He says, is it true that for every tear I cry, you cry a thousand more? Because you weep with those who weep. And are you just holding yourself back from crushing all the pain and evil in this world for reasons we just can't understand for now? But isn't there a day of redemption coming? I mean, and it doesn't sound as good when, when you read it, man. But man, I'm serious. You know, there he is. He's like, wait a minute, God. I thought you were so big and strong. Why is there so much evil? See, we have the, these questions. But what he says right there is one day, you know, we're going to get all the answers. One day, justice will be served. And we'll know why. But until then, we're crying in verses 1 through 6. Until then, we're questioning in verses 7 through 9. And then what we have to do, what do you do when you're in that situation? Here's what you do, verses 10 through 20. Uh, you're believing. And so this is what happens. Notice in verse 10, And I said, this is my anguish. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. 
I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and, and Joseph. And so what do you do when you're in that situation? Three things. Number one is recollection. Number two is meditation. And then number three is declaration. And, and what we find is re recollection is I will remember the past faithfulness of God in, in my life, in the Bible. When I look back, I see God is faithful. Number two, meditation. And when I remember it, when I recollect these things, then I will, I will stop and I will think about it. I will meditate on it. And so the recollection and the meditation and then the declaration, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to start talking about it. And I'm going to start telling people how good God is. You know, what we find right here is he says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. The right hand was symbolic of, of the strength and the power of God. And verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders. It's so important. Uh, this is so important that one person said the remembrance of the age-old acts of God is the basis for faith. And so you have to look back at, at the faithfulness of God, not just in your own life, but, but even in the Bible. Let me read to you one more song uh, by Stephen Cruz Chapman. And it's uh, one of his first songs is called My Redeemer is Faithful. And he said this. He says, as I look back on the road I've traveled, I see so many times he carried me through. And if there's one thing that I've learned in life is my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has said he will do. And every morning... His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. You know, here we are, you guys. I, I don't know how old you are. Um, some of you, you know, maybe 20s, a couple of teenagers here, I think. Some of you guys, I'm thinking maybe 37, a couple of 60-year-olds back here. And we look back in our life, and God has carried us all the way through and here we are today. And he's, we haven't gone hungry. We have clothes. We have a roof over our head. Our heart is still beating. And there's still a plan and a purpose for our life. You know, I was talking to one of the guys today doing some construction in the back. And he was uh, just talking about how I think this guy has the craziest testimony in the world. Man, he's probably almost died, you know, 13 times or something. He was talking about one car accident where he rolled... He rolled 13 times. He's got like a piece of metal right here in his chest. And I mean, just a, a former drug addict. God has set free. God has done a work. You know, when I look back on my life, you know, not much. Didn't have a, a dad. Didn't have a really a lot to offer. My mom was in a car accident before I was born. So she was never really able to take care of me. You know, eventually I, I went with my aunt and uncle, but they didn't have 
the time. My uncle was a workaholic. He was having an affair. My aunt was therefore struggling as a result of that. I mean, what's, you know, what's going to happen to this kid, right? Myself, you guys know a little bit about my story. I didn't even try. I wasn't even trying because I didn't think I had a chance anyways until the day that Christ came into my life. And then he set me free. But then I look back at my life and I see God has always taken care of me. And since he's always taken care of me in the past, I know he will always take care of me in the future. And that's what he's talking about right here. He's talking remembering. I will remember the works of the Lord, right? I mean, surely I will remember your wonders, he says in verse 11. And then not just recollection, but meditation in verse 12. I will meditate on your works and, and talk of your deeds. And now that's declaring. How do you get out of the hole? How do you get out of the hole? Well, you begin by crying out. And then as you're crying out, you know, you might be questioning. That's fine. You're, you're, you're questioning. But then the day comes where you start believing. And, and you start believing by, by re recollecting. And you start believing by, by meditating. And then you start believing by declaring. And we're going to see how this all works, you know. Have you ever had God do a miracle in your life? Anyone here ever have God do a miracle ever? I mean, I know people that have a, had angels, you know, save them in the snow. Um, uh, it's interesting the, the miracles um, that we've gone through in life. Just the other day, I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. This is a little thing. I mean, what the, all the things that God has done in my life, we're talking, you know, you know when we needed $17,000 overnight to do this work because the city required it of us, didn't have it. God just works everything out. I mean, we're talking about this building right here. When the city said, no, you can't go in, we'll never let it happen. And then when it came down to vote, they all said, yes. How did that happen, you know? When I got saved, when you got saved, that's a miracle. You guys are all miracles, you know? We look out, wow, Abel's a miracle. I mean, today's his birthday, but Ben, he was messed up. <laughs> the other day, okay, I'm going to tell you this story. This, this is one of a million. I can tell you. I can tell you about a lady who was instantly healed of a fever. This one right here that was going in for surgery uh, tomorrow, we prayed over her, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened. It's unexplainable. You're healed. I mean, we could just go after story after story after story, right? But the other day, uh, someone invited us over their house. Well, actually, it was someone else's house because they wanted us to go and pray because in the house, there's a whole bunch of these idols. There's statues in the house. And, and, and she was telling us that it's just a, a thick, demonic presence. And so, you know, for me, I was like, I don't know, Lord, should I go? Should I go? Because, you know, we could just pray from over here. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, like, are there really demons and statues? I, I don't know how all that works, you know, but it was just so cool because as we're thinking about this, that morning, my wife wakes up and she listens to Pastor Chuck and Pastor Chuck is teaching out of Psalm 106. And you know what he said in the study? He said, in those statues, there are demons. He said, because when you pray to those statues, and they're connected to the statues, 
when you pray to them, they do their best to answer those prayers. And so, you know, I don't know, you might think, oh, it's just a coincidence. But here we are wondering whether or not this whole statue demonic thing is, you know, real kind of thing. And then there she does, and she, and she listens to the study that morning. So to me, I'm like, it's another indication how God is so personal. I remember I told you the story about my daughter. You know, it's just so funny. One day I'm here in the church, and I see a little toothpick on the, on the ground right there. Do you know those little toothpicks in the plastic wrappers? And so I never see toothpick in plastic wrappers here. But I pick it up, I put it in my pocket, right? And I go back here in between services, and my daughter comes up to me and says, Hey, Dad, you got any dental floss? And I said, Yeah, we got some in in my closet back there. And she's all, No, Dad, I checked. There's none there. And And I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. And then I thought about it. She's all, You know, I got something in my tooth. I hate it. I just found a toothpick. And so, um, you know, I gave her the toothpick. I was in like, whoa. She didn't even think about it. She just, you know, dug it out real quick, and then she just left. And I was just thinking, wow, Lord, that's amazing. You knew that she needed something, you know, to clear that whatever it was out of her tooth, and you gave me a toothpick. I'm like, why didn't you let her find it? And then the Lord showed me, because you're her dad. And I wanted to kind of like work through you. You know, but, but I can tell you story after story after story. I can tell you about the day that I got saved and the presence of God overwhelmed me. And God just came in. And a lot of you guys, you know what I'm talking about. See, and that's how we, we dig ourselves out of the hole. You know, we, we recollect all the the things that God has done. Because what messes us up is we forget how faithful he's been. And, And we begin to recollect these things and then we begin to meditate on these things and then we begin to declare them and we start telling people because there's something about that that helps, right? We read that in verse 12, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Verse 13, your your way Oh, oh God, in, in the sanctuary. Now, it's interesting in your Bible, the word is is an italicize. It's so it might not be there. So the way that it might flow is I'll talk of your deeds, your way, oh God, in the sanctuary. And that's what we should be doing in the sanctuary, right? Who is so great a God as our God? And then and you, you'll notice that he said, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And then he just talks about just the Lord, man. Verse 14, you are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have, with your arm, redeemed your people. The sons of Jacob and Joseph's Salah, the waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. And I just like the way that he says, you know, I will declare your works. Not not my works. I will declare your works. And then in verse 16, you know, he's talking about the time when, you know, the, the sea divided in Exodus chapter 14 and the children of Israel were able to walk right through. And, and what you find in the, as we close through this chapter right here is that he emphasizes redemption 
and creation. And and look at verse 17. It says, The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Uh, Your arrows also flashed about. Any of you guys uh, hear the thunder today? Anyone see the lightning? We, there was one right there. It was a trip. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, verse 18, the voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. Now, that's interesting. Your footsteps were not known. And what that means is that when the sea parted, you guys saw Prince of Egypt, right? You read your Bible. You know, you know what I'm talking about. When, when the mountains were right here, the other mountains were on this side, the Egyptian army was behind them with all their chariots, which would be the equivalent of modern-day tanks. Here's the children of Israel. They don't have anything. What does God do? He opens up the sea. They go through. Now, right there, it says your footsteps were not known. It, it literally says that, that they were there, but they couldn't be seen. And what, what is he saying? That God not only leads us powerfully, but he leads us personally. And there was God just paving the way, walking through. I have no doubt about it. Jesus was walking through the Red Sea, and he split it for them. That's what he's saying. This is what God has done. And so we read in verse 20, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And, 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 and notice right here in verse 20, it, it, he mentions Moses and Aaron and, and thank God for our, our godly leaders. You know, they are gifts to the church. But ultimately what he wants to do is emphasize the fact that it's God's flock, that they are his people. And in looking at that whole psalm right there, it is important for us to know who, who we are. You know, psalm 23, you guys remember what it says right there in the beginning? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I'll never lack. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And you go on and on, and then and you realize at the end of the day that when you place your faith in Christ, who died for you on that cross and rose again, such a simple gospel, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. And, and when you just believe, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not here, but here. It's just amazing, man, how we were saved. And so, um, when that happens, we become his sheep, and he's our shepherd. And what he's, what's he going to do? He's going to lead you every day of your life all the way to heaven. And I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited about that.